You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Well, as we continue to talk about the servant Jesus, we realize that we have been created to know God. And as you just heard, to make Him known. As you heard Emily share that sometimes when we're called to serve, it's not convenient. And it's certainly not comfortable, yet God calls us to be like Him. After Jesus washes the disciples' feet, He says, you, you go and do the same. You go be the most powerful person in the room and you bow your knees and wash somebody else's feet. You serve them. The psychologist Milton Rokish wrote a book called The Three Crises of Ypsilanti. It was a true story about three chronic psychiatric patients at a hospital in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Leon, Joseph, and Clyde. All three were diagnosed with psychotic delusional disorder of the grandiose type. Each one of these men thought that they were the Messiah. And for two years, Rokesh conducted an experiment. He thought that if he could take these three delusional men and have them be together, speak together, exercise together, eat together, if he could have their beds be adjacent to each other, that somehow rubbing against each other with life, with conversation, might diminish their delusion. This experiment led to some very interesting conversations where one day one of the men said, I am the Messiah. I'm on a mission. I was sent here to save the earth. And Rokesh would ask, how do you know this? The man said, because God told me. To which one of the other patients said, I never told you such things. (laughs) Ultimately, the experiment failed. The three men shut each other out. And it turns out, Rokesh said, that if you decide to be your own God, then you have to settle for living in a very tiny universe because there's room for only one person, and that's you. So I have good news this morning. Good news is you're not God. Isn't that good news? I have even better news. Even better news. I'm not God. That's really good news. My wife would agree. See, somehow pride can rise up inside of us if we're not careful. And you might say, well, why would you pick on pride if we're going to be talking about following Jesus? Because in him, there wasn't any pride. In him, his ego was not boosted or boasted. It is the beauty of the fact that we recognize the ugliness of pride. It was pride that caused Adam and Eve to sin when Genesis 3.9 says that God knows that when you eat of the tree that your eyes would be opened and you would be like God. And John wrote about this when he talked about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the, and the does anybody know? The pride of life. Pride is about selfishness. Pride is about making sure I'm okay. Pride is always having the arrows point inward rather than outward. I don't know anybody who was as transformed as the Apostle Paul. You talk about pride. You talk about arrogance. You talk about somebody who was radically transformed by the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's a guy who persecutes the church. He's after Christians. 
And then he's the one that would write the majority of the New Testament. He's after Christians. He's so transformed that he would actually plant churches. One of those churches was the church at Rome. And in Romans 1.1, Paul throws out his calling card. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. This is like his resume. Of all the things he could say about himself, later he'll say, I'm called to be apostle. I'm, I'm set apart. And as Paul matures, we see him later on saying that Christ came to save sinners, of which I am the chiefest or the, the most. In this same book, Romans, he would say that I'm a wretched man who can deliver me of my evilness. And I thank God, he says, for Jesus Christ. It's this same Paul who writes the words that we're going to look at today in Philippians 2. So if you have a Bible, you want to open to Philippians 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair back in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you as our gift today. Make sure it's not scribbled on by the last person that was here, but feel free to take it with you. If you have a Bible app, you'll want to go to Philippians chapter 2. If you're into apps and you don't know what Bible app is good, you can go to Uversion, Y-O-U version. And uh, you could download that for free. It's got all kinds of Bible helps and all kinds of translations. And even the life journal that we use that uh, Pastor Wayne Cordero helped us develop, that you could actually go there and it would give you the ba- daily Bible reading every day that we're reading here as a church. So you version, that's not a political announcement. It's just a freebie. So it'd be a good place for you to go. This God does not want us to get caught up in the petty things and bickering and being distracted by pride and personal agendas. Uh, Bill McGibbon calls our culture, it's a culture of unrelenting self-obsession. But when you read Philippians 2, there's nothing selfish about it. It's Paul telling us about and unpacking for us the story of really who Jesus was and If you'd like to help me this morning, I'd surely like you to read with me Philippians 2, 1 to 4. So let's read it in our best 1125 voice, can we? Here we go. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the... The interests of the... And so when you wonder where our church gets some of our mission statement from, this is one of our passages. When we talk about loving God and loving people, we talk about serving God and serving people. This is one of our passages. Because this is the very thing that Jesus came to do. He says that this Jesus is an amazing servant and he was encouraged to serve because of his love. Paul says, if you've ever shared any comfort from Jesus, you've ever felt his presence, you need to be like-minded. He says, if you've ever had experience of any kind with the Holy Spirit, if you ever have realized the tenderness and the compassion of the Lord, then here's what I want you to do, Paul says. I I want you to make my joy complete by how you will serve. Later in this book, he'll talk about people that are arguing and bickering over the things and getting distracted and having personal agendas. But rather than that, he says, I want you to focus on Jesus Christ in Philippians 2, who served and served and served. 
In your notes, if you get them out, please, you cannot allow Christ to live in you and through you and not be a servant. There's no way you can follow after Jesus and be selfish. Sorry. It's, it's not a gospel of selfishness. It's a gospel of surrender. It's a gospel of giving ourselves away. In Philippians 2, 5 and 6, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. He was a servant. Now, this is a baffling passage of Scripture because Paul wants us to understand that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And I don't know if you've ever read this passage, but it's, it really is hard to get your mind around that Jesus Christ, who, who's seated in heaven, who's receiving worship, who's in a place where there's no sin and sickness and disease and taxes, <laughs> And no politicians, sorry. He leaves that place and he comes here. Because there was no other way in God's plan that he would redeem us. Could he have sent another lamb? Maybe. Could he have said, I, I abolish all sacrifice and from his throne say you're all forgiven? I don't know. I'm not God. I told you that. But God loved us so much that he would send his son and it says in verse 8 to 11 that he jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on the cross and paul wants that underscored it's very important he didn't just come and die he dies on a cross which is the lowest worst most shameful form of death possible and therefore god exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every name that at the name of jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would acknowledge, or some versions say confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And in this passage, he says that's the kind of mind or the kind of attitude we should possess. See, attitudes always determine our actions because actions always demonstrate true attitudes. What you are is what you will do. My professor in college one time said, if we squeeze you long enough, eventually what's inside of you will come out of you. If life presses against you, eventually what's inside of you will come out of you. And I remember hearing a sermon as a young uh, teenager about what's inside of you, whatever your treasure is, there's your heart, and, and the, the, you speak out of the abundance of the heart. And I remember my mom standing, cooking dinner, and she had that little garlic press, and she'd take those cloves of garlic and stick it in that little press and squeeze it really good. And I don't know if you like garlic or not. Sorry if you don't. Sorry if you don't. But it's a, it's a, it's a smell. That's just, I love it. And I can still remember as a kid when she would get that little garlic press and she'd take her knife and she'd put that little garlic in the butter. And uh, Sorry, it's almost lunchtime. And, one well, of the laws of public speaking is don't talk about food. I always seem to get there somehow. But when God puts you in the press, or when life puts you in the press, what, what, what's inside of you will come out of you. If, if you're a clove of garlic, or you're a spearmint leaf, or you're lemon zest, there I go. Eventually that aroma of your life will, will come out of you. If we just pressure you long enough, if... 
We just put you in servant situations. Let's see how you serve. When your neighbor comes over and says, I need your help, let's, let's, let's see what you do with that. When you walk by and you see somebody that needs encouragement or you see somebody down and out, what do you do with that? See, being a servant, number one, means laying down my rights for others. We talk about rights today. I mean, you could you get controversial, arm wrestle with people. I got rights to do this. I got rights to do But ultimately, Jesus laid down his rights for us. The original language here says that Christ was of the very same nature as God. That he was, in fact, God. And he comes and he walks around on this planet. John tells us in 114 that he became flesh and he lived with us we observed his glory the glory as the one and only son from the father who is full of what grace and full of grace and truth there's your balance true story is told about a dad who's a multimillionaire. he owns this company and his son works there and he makes his son the ceo of the corporation and within a few days the Department heads are coming to the father who owns the company saying, Sir, we, we hate to bother you, and but your son is doing a lousy job. Matter of fact, sometimes he's verbally abusive. He makes funny looks at us, and he makes funny comments at us, and he's downright hostile. So the dad went and talked to the son and tried to get him to realign his life with the values of the company and the values of their family, and... And it got worse. So one day he called his son in his office and he said, Son, I need to talk to you. I want to speak truth to you. You're no longer the boss of this company. I'm taking over. I'm firing you as CEO. His son was devastated. His dad got up from his chair behind his desk went over to where his son was seated. He, he got down on his knees in front of him. And he said, son, I heard you just got fired. And with grace, he embraced his boy and said, let me love you. It's a devastating time in your life. That's grace and truth, folks. That's grace and truth. That, that's how God comes and, and, and convicts us of sin and then comes and helps us and says, I want to forgive you. That's Jesus. Jesus never violated the truth, but he never violated grace. Full of grace and? Grace and? Truth and? Ah. Well, Pastor, how are we supposed to live? How am I supposed to be as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a brother, as a sister, as a friend, as a neighbor? Just be full of grace and truth. There are lots of people who are full of truth. Let me tell you. <laughs> and some people are full of grace. Everything goes, baby. If it feels good, do it. It don't matter. Rewrite the law. It's okay. Grace. But there's a balance. Lord, how would you have me operate? Well, Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own, what? Rather he made himself, which literally means he poured himself out. He poured himself out. See, Jesus was not looking out for himself, but he was looking out for others. 
Jesus surrendered his rights for us. He had the right to be God because he was and is God. He had the right to protest. I'm not going to die for them if this cup could pass for me. But now I will, but yours be done. He gave up his rights. Jesus gave up his privileges in order to come as a man and suffer a death that we deserved. He died in our place. Many of you have said that he paid a debt he didn't owe to pay a debt I could not pay. He didn't deserve to die. There was nothing wrong. I find no fault in this man. Although Jesus had access, Chuck Swindoll says, to all the privileges and powers to which his divinity entitled him, and although he could have exploited that privilege and power to dominate his creation, Jesus considered his deity an opportunity for service and for obedience. What do you do when you're the most powerful person in the room? Jesus washed the disciples' feet, servant Jesus. And what do you do when you're the most powerful person on the planet? Jesus dies on the cross and says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Instead of Jesus using all he had been given to his own advantage, he used it for others. For those who had nothing, he used it for us to love and to serve. Being a servant means, number two, becoming less so others can become more. A couple of weeks ago, um, I I asked you, in light especially of all that's going on in our national discourse, to find somebody different than yourself and have a conversation with them, listen to them. It was a few um, mornings ago that I was going down 8th Street. Sometimes I will stop at the Buck, the Starbucks, also known as Four Bucks, and... uh, but I had heard somebody say that McDonald's had really good coffee. And um, that particular day or week, I don't know, I just struck it rich. Um, for a dollar, you could get any size you wanted. So I said, what's the largest cup you have? And, and I had their coffee. And so if you're from Starbucks or Southside or Coffee Time or, or whatever, and I missed the name of your place where you have coffee, I don't mean any disrespect. Or if you work at McDonald's or own McDonald's, God bless you. Uh, it was a buck that day, and it was really good, really good. And and, and I saw this 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 group. There was two guys. Was, one guy was uh, was a Hispanic kid, turned out to be twelve ish. The other one was thirteen or so. He was uh, African American young boy, and they were behind me in line. And I I I heard they wanted a couple of uh, egg McMuffins, no big deal, and some OJ, and so I just. You know, used my card, credit card, got them what they wanted. They thought it was real cool. And, and I just simply said to them, um, well, have a good day, guys. And then, oh, by the way, I bought you that because I want to talk to you. And and <laughs> they saw me as like, okay. And uh, I didn't take long. I didn't take long. But I said, so tell me about what's going on in our country. Now, I just, and, and you just have to hear me out. This is what happened. And the Hispanic young guy said, oh, it's crazy out there, man. It's crazy out there. But yeah. And uh, I kept hearing this whisper, S-Y-M, S-Y-M, shut your mouth. 
Because, you know, I wanted to, come on, you have your speech for young people in your back pocket. You bump into the young person. You got five things. Don't settle. Here's how you live. It's make choice. Rah, rah, rah. Respect your elders. Come on now, right? And I want to say this. And please, 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 please don't take this wrong, anybody. The young, young Hispanic boys said, I hate this city. Now, see, oop, see, that's what, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want, and I kept hearing, S-Y-M, shut your mouth, Bernie. You know, there's nothing to do in this town. Yeah, what a town. We got parks. We got, I, I, you, you have your, come on, you have your speech, don't you? Well, it's, you got to apply yourself. There's a lot, go to the YMCA, go to the Boys and Girls Club. There's a lot, volunteer, come to church youth group. I, I, trust me, I had all the cards in my pocket. And I kept hearing, S-Y-M, shut your mouth. <laughs> Listen, biting my lip, I still got a sore and. And the black young man, sorry. He said, I don't know if I'm going to be around much longer. Because people shoot us. Now, you got, I know, I just said that. And some of you are like, oh, gosh, I can't believe he said that. I'm just telling you what I learned in about 10 minutes. Because I wanted to deal on coffee. I just listened. Of course, at the end, I, I asked them about their faith and, well, the one boy's mom works three jobs because she decided she didn't want to be on state um, aid or welfare or get food boxes. And again, no, nothing wrong with that. She just doesn't want any of that. So she works three jobs. He doesn't even know who his dad is. And um, the young African-American guy um, lives with two other families. They're all sharing a house together. And, and he said, I don't think I'll ever live long enough to see my dreams. Now listen, folks, there are people in our world that are hurting. And some of you go, gosh, this pastor's being controversial. No, I'm not. I think Jesus would have walked in McDonald's, bought those guys egg McMuffins, sorry, and sat and listened to their heart. That's all I was trying to do. Helps me understand where they're at. And of course, I told them about our youth group and of course, I told him about Boys and Girls Club. And of course, I told him about YMCA. I mean, I did. Get good grades, guys. And, but my heart was broken. And I just wonder, and, I, and I've asked you this question. I know some of you go, oh, wow. I mean, can't believe he's. But becoming less so that others can become more sometimes just allows you to listen to people. And I have to tell you, when they said, we don't like, kids said, I don't like Lompoc. I've been here 30 years. I wanted to defend Lompoc with all fibers in my being. I want to tell them, you're wrong. S-Y-M, I kept hearing the whisker, shut your mouth. I was having a conversation with somebody else recently, same thing, just S-Y-M. And i got to tell you, it helps if we listen. Philippians 2.7 says, instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. Sorry, but he listened. And he took on a humble position of a slave. He got down on his knees. And he was born as a human being. He emptied himself. I mean, how do you do that? Gordon Fee says, you do it by taking on the form of a slave, the very nature of a servant. That's what Christ did. He became a servant. Not as the Lord, even though he was and is fully Lord. He gave himself for others, even though all of creation should give themselves to him. He was entitled to be worshipped. He was entitled to be served. He was entitled for everyone to wait on him hand and foot. But he became a servant. 
He left the splendor of heaven for the smell of a stable. He left the company of angels for the company of men. He who was omnipresent took upon himself the limitations of humanity. What a dramatic distance Jesus traveled from heaven to the cross, from robes to rags, from being served to serving, from walking the golden streets of heaven, walking the Via Della Rosa to Calvary's Hill, from the songs of heaven's chorus to the cries of an angry mob, to being spat upon and ridiculed. Jesus became a servant because of his love for you and because of his love for me. That makes me want to serve him all the more. John 13, 14 says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. And there's the challenge. Who will you sit with? Who will you listen to? Who will you pray for? Who will you give to? Christianity for some, not you, but for some, not you. It's all about getting. Bless me, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill my cup. I lift it up, Lord. Give me more. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. And instead of seeking the Lord's face, sometimes we can just seek His hands. Give me more. Give me more, Lord. Bless me. I brought this uh, sponge here. It's really dry and not very much life to it. But you know the truth that when you take a sponge like this and you submerge it into water, it changes. And as you squeeze it, all the air comes out and then it can absorb more. I have Christians all the time say, hey, you know, I've been, been trying to feel God's presence and I really don't. I've been trying to hear Him speak and I don't feel much. And, but I'll, I'll tell you how you do it. Here's, here's the trick. You just simply find ways for your life to be ringed out. But sometimes we've been so saturated with worship and sermons and blessings and K-Love and K-Life and the message on XM and, come on, Bible verses and devotions and, oh, I got a daily devotion on my phone. And, but when you actually say, God, where can I be, Philippians 2, poured out? Where can I be, ring, oh, ring me out, Lord. Use me up real good. And then guess what? I'm dry again. And I come back to God and I say, God, I'm desperate for you to fill me because if you don't fill me, how can I serve? How can I be the husband you've called me to be? Lord, I've got you to fill. How can I be the student you've called me to be? How can I serve my country in our Air Force or other branch of military you've called me to do? How can I serve best in my neighborhood? God says, ah, I just need to dunk you for a little while. Come back to me and I'll fill you again. And then God fills you up. And what do you do? You bring yourself out. Ah. So if you're saturated, come on. Just, just let some of it go. Bless some people. I've got so much. Or if you have extra time or if you have extra money, oh, please call me if you do. I have <laughs> lots of places we could bless. Number three, if you're going to be a servant, it means wringing yourself out. It means being obedient, whatever the cost. He humbled himself even to death on the cross. Jesus was obedient. Obedient to even death on the cross. And you can see that during Paul's time, as he's talking to the church at Philippi, a church that he founded, the first church in Europe, that he's telling them, listen, Jesus died on a cross and that's why the Bible even tells us that it was a stumbling block for the Jews. 
When you preach that Jesus was the Messiah to the Jews, they said, no way. We don't want to serve a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who died on the most shameful way to die, the cross. And even foolishness, it's called, to the Gentiles in 1 Corinthians 1.23. But to us who are being saved, he says in Romans 1, it's the power of God. We understand why we want to serve Him and follow Him because He gave Himself for us. Jesus was obedient even to death on the cross. Sometimes when, when serving hurts or costs us something, we say, oh, I, I don't know if that's for me. I, I don't know if I could do that. Rick Warren talks about calling versus need. He says sometimes we're, we're caught up in our shape, the way that God made us, and some of us have, and all of us have, actually, certain bents to things. We, we're passionate about something. For example, there are some of you in here that could build things. And other of you say, you don't want me building anything. Some of you in here could cook a meal, and, and, and you'd, you'd put love in it, like seven cups of love, and people would taste your cooking. I mean, I could make the same thing, and I don't have your gift and your talent. And even though I use the same ingredients, yours would come out better. Don't you hate when that happens? You make a cake that someone else makes, or you make a meal that someone else makes, and using the same exact ingredients from you know the Food Network, and and you've got your little cheat sheet, and you, but theirs tastes better. I don't know why either. I've had that happen. You know, I barbecued something and exactly like someone else does it, and theirs tastes better, and mine's dry. Well, it's too much time. All same amount of time. And Rick Warren says it's interesting that there's lots of Christians, he's probably talking about only those in Orange County where he pastors, but there's lots of Christians who will oftentimes deny serving in certain areas because they don't feel it's their calling or their specific passion or their specific bent. And he says we have to get to the place where we're willing to sacrifice ourselves in such a way that even if it's not our call, but because there's the need, we will fill that need. Find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. So if picking up trash is beneath you, well, literally and figuratively, that we would actually get down and pick up the trash. If helping somebody in our neighborhood that's elderly and needs some care, that we would actually, I'm not a nurse, but let's go figure out what we can do. Finding needs and filling them. Jesus found the most important need of all. And he came and he gave his life for us. Number four, being a servant means that we are also being rewarded. I love this. Uh, when, I, when I got saved at the ripe age of 14, I was a part of a youth group that served. I mean, we, we were known for our service. That's where I learned how to do it. And during the week, we would prepare uh, uh, Sunday school classrooms for kids whenever there was a VBS we did like three uh, VBSs every summer. All the youth would come in and serve, and the youth would clean the church. And I mean, it was just so great. That was what we were known for. And some of my friends thought I was nuts. Why are you giving up your Saturday again to go to that church? Because there's work to do. They thought I was crazy. But you know what I've learned over the years? God keeps really good books. And I love people who serve and never get to become man of the year or woman of the year. There's nothing wrong with that. And I love people getting written up in the newspaper. I think it's great. Here's a focus on this person doing something great. I just think that's marvelous. But there are so many people who serve that no one 
knows about. It's called stealth mode serving. They're making a difference for their neighbor. They're taking care of children who need care. They're advocating for kids who can't advocate for themselves. They're, they're giving rides to people that, that, that don't have a car. Nothing written up about it, but i got to tell you, God's writing it all down. He keeps really good books, and He rewards us. Now, in Philippians 2, it says that God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name above every name. That's not going to happen to you, by the way. But someday when we stand before the Lord, we are going to hear, well done, good and faithful. Well, good and faithful. Yeah. Somebody at 8 o'clock service said, well done, good and faithful consumer. <laughs> no. Well done, good and faithful church attender. It's good to attend church, by the way. But that's not what he's going to say. Well done, good and faithful servant. A couple of weeks ago, I, I made a statement that we got to live in such a way that we give God something to amen. And I'll tell you what he applauds, what he amens is when we're serving from our heart, when we're humbling ourselves in such a way. See, we don't serve to become saved, that's works, but rather we serve because we are saved. Rick Warren says there's people who serve in church all the time, but they don't have a servant's heart. They do it out of duty, but there's no desire in them to do it. They do it begrudgingly. But there's something inside of us, hopefully from Philippians 2, that says, I want to serve the Lord. As Jesus said in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's a reward. Lord, I'm just going to give you my best, and God will find a way to raise you up. He keeps good books. And James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And lastly, number five, being a servant means having your heart transformed every single day. Every single day. There's no genuine life in Christ, Gordon Fee says, that is not at the same time by the power of the Holy Spirit being transformed into the likeness of Christ. You can't spend time with God without him saying, take a look at my son. And you can't spend time with the Son without Him saying, take a look at the Holy Spirit who will empower you to be like me. That's what He wants us to do with our lives. If Jesus died for others, how can we fail to love and serve others? It's our call. So before we finish, I want to just take you quickly back to the person we started with, the Apostle Paul, who also, again, wrote Philippians 2, Romans 12. And Paul Hamlin alluded to it in our worship today as we started. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, would you read the rest? In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. In view of God's mercy. In view of Philippians 2. 
Let your mind be transformed in view of God's mercy. I'm not urging you, Paul says, to sacrifice your life just because. I'm asking you to sacrifice your life because he sacrificed himself. Notice what it says at the top again, uh, Romans 12.1, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't conform to this world. It says, get all you can, be all you can, do all you can, because after all, you're all that matters. I don't know if you know this or not, you're not all that matters. But go walk outside today with a sign that says, I matter and I matter most. No one's going to honk and wave. I'll tell you who matters most. It's not me. Jesus matters most. God the Father matters most. The Holy Spirit matters most. And how do we make sure that they matter most in our lives? As we lay down our lives for one another, we present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We don't conform to the pattern of this world where all the arrows point inward, but rather we say, I'm here to add value to others. I'm here to lift others up. I'm here to see what God would have me do. I'm, I'm here to be, to be wrung out so I can be refreshed. So I can be wrung out so I can be refreshed. I can give myself away. Here's a challenge. Take, take every morning and just read these three verses of Romans 12 and see what God would say to you. Especially the part, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Why would he say that? Why would, he, why would he say that? Because it's possible to think more highly of yourself than you should. That's why he says it. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Someone said, I'm just honored to be a humble servant of an illustrious master. Servant of Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. The challenge is to be like him. The challenge is to be willing to serve. The challenge is when you're the most powerful person in the room, what you do with that. The challenge is when a need rises above you, do you say it's beneath you or do you say, I'll pour myself out? There's a world out there desperate, desperate to see an authentic representation of the love of Christ. There's a world out there desperate to be listened to. And then for you to be able to say, thank you for sharing, and then finding ways to serve them. They're out there. They're everywhere. Some of them are in your house. Some of them are right next door. Yeah, that person next door. You know who they are. Some of them work with you. And someone that desperately needs the touch of God in their lives. Hey, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, we're talking about a servant in Philippians 2 who was willing to give his life by dying on the cross. Today would be a great day to say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I confess that you're Lord, that you died, that God raised you from the dead. And when you do that, you too can be saved. And we start a journey with him. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com. Dot com. Me too.